Hello and welcome to Trigonometry. I'm Francis Foster. I'm Constantin Kitten. And this is a show if you're bored with people arguing on the internet over subjects they know nothing about. At Trigonometry, we don't pretend to be the experts, we ask the experts. Our brilliant guest this week is a professional rapper, creative entrepreneur and podcaster, Zubi, welcome to Trigonometry. What's up? How you guys doing? Hey man, it's good to have you here. Uh, listen, before anyone who doesn't know who you are, uh, tell us quickly what's your story, how are you, where you are, what's been the journey that has you sitting in this chair? Okay, let's do it. So I am Zubi. I'm an independent professional full-time rapper and creative entrepreneur. Um, I, wow, I'm from a lot of places. I was born in the UK. Um, I grew up in the Middle East and Saudi Arabia, lived there for well over a decade, went to school there for a while, went to an international school, hence the hybrid American-British accent. I then went on, I went to boarding school in the UK, I went to Oxford University, studied computer science there, graduated, worked in London, corporate job for a couple of years whilst juggling my music career on the side. I started making music when I was in university, and in 2011 I went to pursue my music full-time, left my full-time job, and I've now been doing music and a couple other creative bits, including my new podcast, Real Talk with Zuby. I've yeah, now been doing it full-time for over seven years, so um, here we are. It's good to have him, and there's so many things we want to talk to you about because you've been in the news and there's been other <laughs> stuff going on. But maybe let's start by talking about rap because one of the yeah. things I really like about your music is you have a very positive message. You don't talk about you know gangs and all, all that kind of stuff. Uh, is that a conscious decision on your part? Yeah, somewhat. I mean, my music reflects me. Hmm. I'm a very educated guy from a relatively privileged background, which is you know not the typical hip-hop rapper story, so I don't ever try to represent myself as anything that I'm not. Mm. There's a lot of negativity out there in the world, not just in music and entertainment, but just in a lot of the messaging and in the way a lot of people are and the way people behave. So with me, I just always try to be authentic. I don't try to add to the negativity. I want to put a message out there that is positive, that's inspiring, that motivates people. When people hear my music, when they're listening to my tracks, the best feedback I can get is, man, that motivated me, that inspired me. I hit the weights harder in the gym. It made me go and pursue that job or pursue that dream. So that's what I'm trying to do for people. I want to be a positive light. I also want to keep it completely real. You know, I like to be very honest and authentic in both my music and the way I just am and the way I treat people in general. But I want to do it in a way that's positive. Yeah. And so you're talking about positivity in rap because um, a lot of hip hop music, you know, especially gangster rap, it's about negativity, it's about violence, it's about gang culture. How much responsibility do you think these artists have to their listeners? Or do they not have any at all and they're just simply telling their truth? Well, I think that everybody, I think this goes beyond music. I think that everybody has a responsibility in how they conduct themselves and the message that they put out there to the world. I think once you're, once you're a grown adult, I mean, even as a child, but certainly as an adult, whether or not you want to be a role model, especially if somebody is a public figure, you're going to be a role model kind of by default. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's who children should be looking up to. Like, a child should, certainly shouldn't be a having a rapper as their prime role model in life like that. <laughs> no, really, I mean, you know, it sounds obvious, no, nor should it be an actor or a sports person, mm. right? In a perfect world, it should, be, it should be their parents, family members, older brother, who, whoever it is, you know, family, teachers, you know, people around them, that's really what it's for. So I certainly don't, so there's always that sort of argument about how much responsibility should be on rappers or musicians versus other stuff, because 
on one hand, I do think that there is a responsibility just as a, like I said, as an adult, but at the same time, you don't, it's also not that argument where something bad will happen or people behave in a negative way and people try to blame it on music or video games or movies. It's a much more nuanced conversation like, than that. Like a lot of things, people try to make everything black and white and very binary. But um, I think, you know, coming back to that first question you asked me, you said, my music is very positive and it inspires people. And I know for a fact it inspires people because I've talked, spoken to people it's inspired. So it wouldn't make any sense to say that music can have a positive influence but it's impossible mm. for it to have a negative influence. You see what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So there obviously is, a, it's kind of like a, a chicken and an, and an egg thing. You know, a lot of rappers who rap about gangster stuff will say, I'm just rapping about my life or yeah. I'm documenting what's happening in the streets or whatever, which can be true, yeah. but there's a line between documentation and glorification. And I'd be lying if I said that there are not certainly artists, some artists, who are trying to make it sound really cool to go out and kill people or sound cool to take drugs or sell drugs or whatever the case may be. So in my personal opinion, that's when it kind of crosses that boundary. But um, perhaps a better question might be, why does, why does it appeal to people? You know, what is it that makes that music sell? Because people are only going to supply what people demand. So maybe a better question is, you know, why are we drawn to violent lyrics, violent video games, violent films? You know, why are we drawn to all these things? I think that perhaps might be a better question, which nobody ever seems to ask. I love how you just criticize no, that question. Yeah. Like, yeah, that, that was a shit question, guys. <laughs> ask, ask me a better question next time. <laughs> yeah. All right, Zuby. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so what does your people to violent rap me? But it's everywhere, isn't it? Yeah. It's films. And I, I don't know, tell me what you think. I guess part of that is that we are drawn to things that we don't ourselves necessarily experience in our own lives. So mm. we're kind of living through someone else. You know, like yeah. when we watch a, a movie about someone taking revenge with a gun, like you, I would never go out and do that. Mm. But I have thought about, you, you know. Of course, you're yeah. Russian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the racism has begun, guys. <laughs> yeah. I've seen you with your Novichok. I'm hanging around Costa Coffee. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's a factor. I think, the, I think the true reason is a bit deeper and darker. Mm. I think human beings, particularly guys, we're all, we're all men here, we're all males, you know. There is something in our brain, yeah, I know, I'm assuming, I'm assuming <laughs> everybody's gender right now. Yeah. I know, sorry, I'm such a bigot. Um, <laughs> I, um, I think there's something innately in us from a kind of evolutionary perspective that is wired for sex and violence. Mm. And the reason for that is obvious because in terms of survival, we've always needed these two things. And it's relatively, it's very recent that we're actually living in a relatively peaceful, stable society. Like, all oh, for the, look at last several hundreds, thousands of years, men have always been going to war. We've been going to war, we've been, men have been pillaging and, you know, reproducing and just, that's kind of been the way forward. So it's like now we live in a very, fortunately, a very safe, stable, civilized society. But I still think, you know, you've still got that thing in your, in your, your lizard brain is kind of like a very primal thing hmm. that is drawn to violence or sex or whatever it might be. And you obviously don't want to manifest that in a negative way, but I mean, some people do that and we call them criminals, right? There are people who go out there and do horrible things. But I think that, you know, if you're playing a violent video game and you're, you're shooting people up in the game or you're playing GTA and chucking people out of cars and do, doing all this stuff that you wouldn't Dream of, dream of doing in the real life. I think it's kind of satisfying that, that innate craving yeah. without actually doing anything that's going to have a negative impact on you 
or on society. So that, that's my kind of theory. I think the same goes with listening to really aggressive music. I think the same goes with uh, watching action films where stuff is just blowing up and people are doing all kinds of stuff to each other. I, th I think it's all kind of the same primal so you're saying it's, it's essentially cathartic? That, yeah, exactly. That's what I think. Um, and Zuby, where do you stand on the whole free speech thing when it comes to rap music? Do you think it's ever acceptable? Because there were two grime artists recently who were uh, arrested and all the rest of it for mm. their lyrics. Do you think it's ever acceptable to arrest people for their lyrics and or to ban people from platforms like YouTube? Or do you think ultimately it is free speech mm. and everybody's entitled to it? Well, I'm essentially, a f I'm pretty close to a free speech absolutist. Um, that doesn't mean I approve of all speech, mm. hopefully needless to say. Mm. But, um, no, no, you I, need to say that <laughs> nowadays, dude. <laughs> right, um, there, there's kind of a couple questions there. In terms of should platforms be able to, you know, should we be able to take someone's video off YouTube or song off YouTube? Yeah, YouTube has a right to do that. Private company, you know, if, if someone's putting out some, it's just like you can't put a video out of someone getting murdered on YouTube and post it up, you know, they're gonna take that down. You can't put up porn on there, they're gonna take that down. So YouTube already does have content restrictions and guidelines, which is fair enough, like they can do that. In terms of the police and justice systems getting involved in stuff, generally I think musicians and everybody should essentially have complete freedom of speech. Of course, freedom of speech does not cover genuine calls to violence. It doesn't cause, cover like genuine, credible threats mm. towards individuals or groups and things like that. So there is like a very small, tiny percentage of stuff that's like, okay, that's, that's going beyond the bounds. But outside of that little tiny segment, I would be hesitant of saying that there should be any kind of censorship or restrictions or anything like that because at the, with these things it's always like well who's who's who sets the rules mm. right mm. offense is very subjective as, as we all know you guys are comedians so what's offensive to one person is not offensive to another person and if you have a big enough audience you're always going to have someone who's offended by something and you know you, no one you don't have a right no none of us have a right to not be offended that's not a that's not a right the freedom of speech trumps the freedom sorry the yeah the right to speech trumps the right to not be offended because there is no right to not be offended. I mean, <laughs> you don't you don't want to go around living your life and just being being cruel and offensive to people for no good reason. You're you're probably going to get punched. But um, I don't think many people would want to do that anyway. I think I think when people talk about um, an absolute right to free speech, people always panic because they're like, oh, well, they they jump to really like fringe, crazy cases. Yeah. And you're kind of like, well, no, someone can't call for yeah. someone's execution or harm to be done with someone because that does cross into criminality mm. and I'd say with music yeah it's just the same rules should cover it really well uh, let's move on a little bit because as I said you have been in the news recently <laughs> um, and uh, it's it's an interesting thing so to tell everybody uh, we'll put the clip into this episode so people can see the video but okay. just describe it describe what you did and why you did it and yeah okay so on the 26th of February uh, it's just a normal day I was actually in Derby running a pop-up shop at the time for my music. 
and such um, a hipster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, he oh, oh, wow. comes in, he's got the attitude to alert the muscle. I, I was not. running a pop-up shop. Yeah, man. Were you eating a falafel wrap as well no, at the same no, time? No, 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 never that, man. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got, I've got to make my money, man. I'm an independent artist. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, so, just the words of pop-up shop. Sorry, they oh, really? got me. Anyway, okay. yeah. I, I, do, I don't think most hipsters even have pop-ups. Maybe they shop at Maybe yeah. they shop at I think yeah. Zuby is the opposite of a hipster. You yeah, like every way. Except the beer. Except the beer. Oh, man, he's yeah. going to go out, he's going to get a vegan flat <laughs> He's completely yeah, ethically sourced cookie. Well, you but, know. Yeah. Sorry, carry on. Gender neutral gingerbread person. <laughs> um, <laughs> what was I saying? So I posted up a nine second clip of me doing a deadlift in the gym. Yeah. Uh, just in one of my training sessions. And uh, I, I tweeted it out with a caption saying, I keep hearing about how there's no biological strength difference between men and women. Uh, so watch me destroy the women's British women's deadlift record without trying. And then I wrote, P.S. I, d I identified as a woman whilst lifting the weight. Don't be a bigot. Hmm. I think the P.S. is really what did it, you know. Um, <laughs> and it caught fire. Within, I want to say within about 20 minutes, it had 10,000, had over 10,000 views. Within a couple hours, it had broken 100K. Um, I was literally looking at my phone, and the retweets and likes were just, just flipping up in real time. Yeah. By the time I went to bed that same day, it had done over 300,000 views. I was seeing it. I was seeing people commenting in all these different languages, so it was going into all these different spheres of Twitter. I saw it get retweeted by some massive accounts that had like 500,000 plus, 1 million plus followers, and it just went nuts. I woke up in the, the next morning, over half a million views, and in total, the video is now, the original video is now at 1.3 million views. Um, some of the interviews I've done have over a million views. I did an interview with uh, RT with two million views on YouTube. I did one with um, Ben Shapiro, which uh, oh. has got like 350K. And then um, Tucker Carlson on Fox News talked about it. Um, Piers Morgan on Good Morning Britain talked about it and showed the video. Uh, it was covered in Sky News Australia. And then one of the big ones that a lot of people noticed was uh, on the Joe Rogan experience mm. on his episode with uh, Brian Callen. They, they had like a five minute section, <laughs> like a five minute section on it yeah. where they pulled up the video and they were laughing at it and Joe shouted me out and followed me on Twitter and announced it to uh, the audience in real time as well. So yeah, he, Rogan now follows me on Twitter and sent me a message thanking me for the video. And um, yeah, it's, it's been insane. I was featured on BBC One, BBC Radio One, BBC Solent, um, BBC Oxford, The Daily Mail. Um, loads, loads of places in the USA. So why so do you think it, it got nuts. such resonance? Why do you think it got so much purchase? Why did mm. so many people seem to think it was either funny or relevant <laughs> or topical or whatever? Yeah, well, I think, the, I think the timing of it. I think the timing and the execution lined up far more perfectly than I uh, imagined when I first tweeted it out. I mean, I, I put out probably 50 tweets a day, so I didn't think that much of it when I did it. I was just like, okay, my followers will probably find this quite funny. And I had 19,000 followers at the point I tweeted it. I've now got over 40,000. So I've gained, like, across the board, I've gained over 25,000 social media followers just in the past month, which has been kind of crazy. But, um, yeah, I th cause so the reason I tweeted it initially was because over the last couple of years, I have seen this rising trend of biological men claiming to be women or saying they're transgender and competing against women in sports. It's happened in MMA, in wrestling, in athletics, in weightlifting, in handball, football, loads of different sports. And several years ago, I was telling people in private that this is going to happen because there's no reason for it not to, right? If someone is going to say that this is the women's league 
and have an asterisk next to women and say, by women we mean anyone who identifies as a woman, then why would a man not, especially if you're, especially if there's an incentive, why would you not have men or boys starting to compete in that? Because they're obviously going to have a physical advantage. So I'd seen that happening. There had been some really recent stories last month. I think um, in some high school in America, there was a, an athletics race, and the people who came first and second were both biological men, and this is in the, the, the girls' race. Um, there were a lot of questions with it around the Olympics. I didn't realize quite how big and how global the conversation was until after this thing went viral. I was kind of like, oh, wow, this is a bigger debate that more people are more passionate about than I initially realized. But I think the video, I think one, because it, it displayed both the strength differential, because it, it's important to keep in mind that video when I say I wasn't trying, I mean, I actually w I wasn't trying. That weight wasn't heavy for me. Oh, I might chill right? out. Sorry. No, no, no. It's, it's a heavy weight. But Francis point... is just jealous. Yeah. <laughs> Look at him. Yeah, I'll yeah. just go there, give myself an aneurysm and die. But the point is, I'm not a professional power lifter. Right? Yeah. There, there are plenty. There are guys who can lift several hundred kilos more than I can. Wow. Okay. All right. There are, I'm, not a, I'm, just a, I'm a rapper who happens to go to the gym a lot. So I'm stronger than the average person. But um, the fact that someone like me could just stroll in the gym on any given day and beat all the women's records. And you know, that's, um, that should show people. Because I do genuinely think there are some people who don't realize quite how big, especially people who don't train, people who don't go to the gym, they don't realize just how much stronger men are compared to women, um, especially at higher levels. Once, once you've had some training in, I mean, it can be like double, triple, quadruple the strength in some cases. Um, and then in like strength, and then in speed stuff, it's typically about 10 to 12%. So there's a reason you separate men's and women's sports, and everyone's always known that, and it's cool. Right? You do that so that you can have women competing, and you can have men competing, and that's, all, that's always been fine. <laughs> that's what people have, uh, have wanted. So I think because the video demonstrated that, but then also in terms of the commentary I put on it, I think also, one, it used the logic of the people who make those claims People who try to say there's no difference between men and women, it's all, it's all a social construct, it's all sociological, all that kind of stuff, which is absurd. Right? There are, but there are people who actually say that. I've heard people argue that if boys and girls were socialized the same way, that boys would not end up stronger than girls are, which is utter non like, it's I hear something like that and my brain kind of does a backflip. I'm like, are you that dumb? Or you, you know what I mean? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Have you not heard of testosterone? You know? Um, so there was that, and then finally, I think the fact that it was funny, yeah, yeah, right, it was satirical. So, but it, <laughs> but it, it was satirical, but not everyone even got that it was satirical, right? Because mm. we live in such a topsy turvy world that people often can't tell the difference between something being serious and satire. Mm. So some of the flack I received was from people who were angry at me, who thought I was, um, who were, you know, are angry at me because they thought I genuinely taken the women's record. And so they were saying this is unfair. <laughs> what, what, you're, what you're doing is deeply unfair towards women. You know, you're not, you're not really a woman, all this, and you know, the, these long diatribes. And I, I was like, wow. And then, you know, there were people who thought that I was um, being sexist by trying to prove that men were superior to women. 
There were people who said I was being... Like that needs any proof. It's a joke. That joke is killing in Russia. Yeah. Finally, somebody <laughs> says the truth. <laughs> um, yeah, and then, of course, you had the, a very small percentage of people trying to claim that it was somehow transphobic and infer that because of this deadlift that I somehow hate trans people or I want them to be... I want some horrible stuff to happen. Mm. You, you get the typical nonsense. People like to throw accusations out with hope that it'll somehow denigrate your position because they can't argue with what you're actually saying. But it was also funny because I responded to a lot of these things publicly and I was just claiming that they were being transphobic, right? Because I'm like, according to your own logic, you've said that I can identify as whatever I want. And also you have this concept of gender fluidity, so I don't even need to, so that's why I said I identified as a woman whilst lifting the weights. Because I've heard people talk about gender fluidity and they've said, you know, for some people it's day of the week. It can depend on what location they're in, what emotional state they're in. So I said, well, when I'm in the emotional state of breaking, wanting to break a record, I do genuinely identify as a woman. Now I'm a man. Hmm. But, um, you know, next time I go to the gym, I might, I might be a woman as well. And, no, and nobody's supposed to deny that. Everybody's supposed to accept it. So I kind of kept flip, flipping that back on all the critics and they just kind of got frustrated because they were like, oh, he knows my arguments too well, right? So, um, yeah, the whole, thing, the whole thing was really funny. It went way further. It went way further than I uh, ever thought it was going to, but it's been an interesting couple of weeks. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you never know what... what people always assume, like with, with that story with me earlier in the year as well, people always assume that you made it go viral, yeah. right? And obviously, as comedians, artists, we're all egomaniacs. We want every tweet that we put out to go viral, but you never know what's... Yeah, what's going to happen, right? And, and that always drives me crazy. But, um, you know, this point about hating trans people, we had uh, India Willoughby on the show a couple of weeks back, who's a transgender a woman who's a TV presenter in this mm -hmm. country. And we were talking about this very issue, about women uh, competing against trans women in sport. Yeah. And she was like, well, no, this, this can't happen. If yeah. you've gone through male puberty, biology is going to be different. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I have to say, you know, listening to her talk about her own experience and her own story, there are people who hate trans people. You know what I mean? Okay. And I think they were trying to lump you in with those people. Well, people try to do that with everything, don't they? Yeah. Mm. Right? You've got people who think that literally everyone who voted Brexit, literally everyone who voted Trump is racist. Mm. Mm. It's like, really? You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure there are racist people who voted Brexit. I'm sure there's people who voted Trump, Trump for racist reasons. Yeah. I'm sure there are people who voted Brexit for racist reasons. But... You know, I don't know if it's just this sound. This, this sounds so elitist, but I just don't know if it's like some people just aren't, don't have the intellectual capacity to understand that there's a difference between those two things, right? The fact that some that maybe maybe most racist people did vote for Donald Trump, but that does not therefore infer that most people who voted for Donald Trump are racist. Mm. And I don't yeah. know. I'm, I don't know if perhaps logically some people do not even don't comprehend that just like mm. some people don't understand that correlation does not equal causation they'll look mm. at two things that are correlated and then they automatically say boom that's that they'll see any sort of disparity that exists in any data set and they'll assume that that must mean there's some kind of unfair discrimination or something like that you see this all the time the most obvious one would be the whole um gender pay gap yeah. which has been debunked for literally for about 30 years right so people will just take all the total earnings of men all the total earnings of women or, or sometimes they'll do it by race. Uh, I saw Hillary tweeted about that yesterday. And then they'll just say, oh, look, there's a difference, therefore racism, therefore sexism. And you're just like, what? Like, it's such a, I mean, you could explain to a, a smart seven-year-old why that doesn't 
make sense, but people just run with it. Politicians run with it. People just buy it up, people eat it up, and I'm, it does my head in, because I'm just like, how are you falling for this still? It doesn't take that much thinking to be like, oh no, that doesn't make sense. If, if that made sense, you'd look, at, um, you'd look at the NBA, and you'd conclude that the NBA is deeply racist against... <laughs> <laughs> deeply they hate racist. Jews, man. They hate Jews. And Asian people. Exactly, and Asian and white people. You'd yeah. be, it's so maybe 70, 60%, 70% black. You know, mm. NFL, you'd, you'd look at these things, sprinting, 100 meters, 200 meters, you'd say, wow, they, they're being discriminatory against um, non-black people. You look at swimming and say, "Man, they must hate black people because there's no black people in the in the pool in professional swimming." And, and no, nobody nobody does this. I, anyone would understand that these are absurd arguments. But then people do it with other things. They'll look at a workplace. They'll look at a university. They'll look at overall pay. They'll look at all these things and they'll say, "Ah, see, this is evidence of discrimination." And to anyone who's thinking, they're just like, "No." Which is why I don't think it's. Re I mean, the IQ argument I think is very generous, actually, because I think it's probably more sinister than that. I think it's an easy way to undermine people that you disagree with. Mm. So, you know, arguably one of the main reasons Trump got elected is that people who were living in those swing states in America were losing jobs, yeah. right? And that's why there's a drug epidemic, that's why there's a suicide epidemic. But people don't want to address that. It's much easier to just scream racist, yeah. you know? Um, and I think a lot of it is intent. And we've seen it, you know, with the whole Russia collusion thing, <laughs> which I'm deeply upset about because I've lost my best fucking jokes as a Russian comedian. Yeah. No, correction, he's lost his jokes. Yeah, I've lost all my jokes. <laughs> right. It's just me talking about airplane food now. That's, that's all I'm down to. Yeah. Airplane. You know when you're on Aeroflot. Yes. And the plane doesn't crash. <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> what is that about? <laughs> Standing ovations. Yeah. yeah. All through Siberia. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. More. Um, yeah, man. So, I just think a lot of it is about intent now. It's people who are pushing a particular narrative. And, you know, a lot of people won't know this, but you and I went to school and then we kind of went our separate ways and pursued our own lives. Yeah. Uh, but one of the, 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 the first things that uh, made, put you back on my radar was you put out a tweet saying, a lot of people have the same opinions as me and privately will tell me that, mm -hmm. but they won't say so publicly. Yeah. And I think you've intimated what some of those might be. But broadly speaking, what do you think it is that we people are now afraid to talk about? Wow, gosh. <laughs> anything that's important. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though, isn't it? Right? Anything, anything in society, in morality, in culture, in ethics, even in science to some degree, mm. that has a risk of being controversial or contentious. Right, because again, we, we were talking about people just making really binary arguments and trying to see the world in a really simplistic worldview. Mm. I mean, that makes some sense from a psychological perspective because our brains do all kinds of shortcuts to make things easier. Mm. So we, the way we see the world can be just as simple as it needs to be to navigate it, mm. right? So it's, a, it's much easier to navigate the world if you just believe that everyone who thinks differently, for, right, if you're a liberal, and you're looking at conservatives, right? It's, it's much easier to understand the world if you just believe that everyone who disagrees with you on these policy positions or on these ideas is evil. Mm. Yeah. Or doesn't, or doesn't, or hates poor people, or hates uh, minorities, or, or whatever, right? And, and that's how a lot of people think. Or equally right? hates capitalism. Or, or, what, hate, or whatever it yeah, is, right? Yeah. Or if you're um, someone who's very staunchly conservative, mm. it can be easy to just be like, oh, all those liberals, like they're just, they're just stupid, or they're this, or they're that, right? Mm. And so many people do that, and they just p 
pit themselves in these zones. People like to define themselves and then say, okay, well, of course everybody believes their worldview is correct, mm. right? Otherwise you wouldn't have your worldview. If you thought something about your worldview was wrong, if you're you know, a decent person, you would try to revise it and fix it. But with so many people, they're just rooted in it and that's it. You know, if someone is, um, if someone is an atheist, again, it's very simple to just go, all those people who believe in religion, they're just uneducated and stupid, right? So I'm, I'm a religious person, I'm Christian, and I've had people say stuff on Twitter, right, who are atheists, and they'll be like, oh, I'm surprised someone who went to Oxford can believe in God. And I'm like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what to say to that, because you're, you're just kind of like, do you, are you aware even that people who founded the science that you worship were mostly religious people, you see what I mean? Mm. And it's like, that that's, has nothing to do with education, right? It's a belief system. I can, I, and oftentimes, like, I'll find, maybe just the person I'm, I am, I'm quite good at empathizing with other people's positions, so I can completely, maybe not completely, but I think I can often understand other people's worldviews a lot better than they can understand mine or, or other people's, but that's largely just because I try to, mm. right? I try to. It's about to. willingness and it's also about it humility. Is. To it some is, extent. really, like, yeah. This is why we started the shows, because... Constantine mm. needed to be proved that he was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's never going to happen. Yeah. Um, no, but, but that, the reason we started the show is we were starting to feel like the world doesn't really make sense to us. What, mm. You know, we didn't necessarily feel like we understood why Brexit happened. Okay. Well, what I knew was that I understood that it wasn't because this is a racist country yeah. as an immigrant here, yeah. right? So when that was the main message, I was like, well, no, it's definitely not that. So let's start talking to people who voted Brexit. Yeah. Let's start bringing in experts who understand both sides. And I think that's what we're lacking in our culture now is a little bit of humility to go, I don't know everything. Yeah, yeah. Let's ask other people and try and find out what yeah. they think. And be, wi and be willing to be proven wrong mm. and be willing to find common ground. Yeah. Because the truth is with, with any ideology or worldview or position, most of them have, I think some of them are quite nonsensical, mm. but most of them have some kernel of, tr of objective truth in them, right? So oftentimes they'll start with something that makes sense, but then they'll, re they'll greatly extrapolate it to a stage where it's like, whoa, okay, like the end result is so far gone that you're kind of like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, you know, there's, there's a lot of humility. So, for example, like talking about the, um, the existence of God, for example, mm. right? I believe in God, but I'm very, I'm hu humble enough to go, I could be completely wrong, mm. right? Maybe there's, there's probably some religious people who won't do that, right? But there are atheists, there are atheists, for example, who I've had conversations with, and in some way I, I'll joke with them that they're more religious than me, mm. because they'll say, I absolutely know that there is no God, and everyone else who thinks, it's, and I'm like, that's that's a hard, that's a harder line position than mine, because yeah. yeah. I'm like, I believe in God, and, and that's and I accept that's a matter of faith. Mm. I I, know, I can't give you some scientific mathematical mm. proof of it and go here see, but I can I can explain to you my my reasoning and my logic and reason for my beliefs. But at the end of the day, I'm like, you know what? I could be wrong. I could be wrong. You know, there's loads of stuff that I believe that I think, and I'm like, okay, you know, I I could be wrong. Um, but what's weird is when people are presented with data, people, people are presented with facts, which disproves them. You talked about this whole Russia collusion thing, yeah. right? The media, how many people have actually said, you know what, we were wrong, we blew this, we're sorry. No, they just said, no, the, the, the report is, it's not right. No, there, there was something, like, it doesn't matter what that, I saw someone saying, it doesn't matter what that report said, we know, we know who did it. And it's like, you've been, you're, you're presented with something that goes against what you believe, but people don't have the humility to just be like, 
oh, okay, fair enough. You know, like, because um, people don't want to change their minds. And that makes sense. Like, I, I like being right. Everybody likes being right. But there, there are some, there's things, there's big issues that I've changed my mind on in the last sort of five years because I've been, I've spoken to other people, mm. I've seen other perspectives, and I've had, I've had times where someone's just got, someone's got a better argument and better facts, and I'm like, oh, okay, you're right. Yeah. Do you think it might be even deeper than that and to do with identity? For instance, people identify a certain label. Yes. Yeah. So then when they're presented with something, <coughs> that not only challenges the label they attach themselves, you're also challenging the, the, the fundamental structures yeah. of how they see the world. And mm -hmm. that is unfortunately just too dangerous and massive a change to go through. Yeah, it's painful. Mm. It's painful. If you have a deeply held belief, that especially if you've held it for some time, and then someone presents something that counters it or even challenges it, mm. right? Even if it doesn't completely supersede it, but it challenges it. A lot of people are not able to deal with that for whatever reason. So sometimes it can be hard for people to have even have these conversations because not everybody is even willing to have the conversation. And I think that's partly because maybe somewhere deep down they might know that what they believe is, is nonsense, mm -hmm. right? They might know that the reason you can't challenge it, the reason they don't want anyone to challenge it is because it can't stand up to scrutiny. Mm -hmm. So if you believe in some super weird idea or philosophy or ideology. And Socialism. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a fantastic, no, fantastic example. Because, okay, no, you've got people who call themselves, who advocate for communism. You've got people who live in the UK, the USA, capitalistic countries, some of the most wealthy, successful, equal, best societies in the world by most measures, and they advocate for communism. And you'll be like, okay, so tell me where it's worked. What, what, what about that? What about the Soviet Union? What about uh, Vietnam? What about China? What about you, you, Cuba, right? What about Venezuela right now? You, you'll give them all these examples and, and they'll, well, that wasn't, if I, they didn't do it my way or, oh, that wasn't, it wasn't communism that led to the fall. It was, it was and this kind of cognitive dissonance, I'm just kind of, I find it very bizarre because I'm like, why would you, like most people can recognize that Nazism was a bad idea. Mm. Let's not do that again. You know, like pe people happily accept that one, but there's like something sexy about socialism and con communism that people just want to keep trying it and trying it and trying it, just no matter how many times it fails. Um, and yeah, that, that, that's quite fascinating to me. Right? That's because Russia was, the Soviet Union was on the ally side in World War II. True. That's uh, what, and that's why the Soviet crimes were never really exposed. Yeah, the same people, way. Stalin killed more people than Hitler. Yeah, you know? I know. But, but also I think, and it sounds flippant, it sounds almost jokey, but I think that there's a real truth to it. Hitler doesn't look good on a t-shirt. Che Guevara does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might be just brand, branding. Yeah, um, Che Guevara, that picture, that's an iconic photo. Yeah. Everybody knows who Che Guevara is mm. without him necessarily knowing his story. Yeah. Just because he looks so damn sexy and good on a t-shirt. Yeah, I mean, some of it is just education as well. You know, I mean, some of that might be because, as we, as we all know, you know, academia is steeped you know, it leans very heavily left, both in school and college and university for the most part. So when people are learning history, I mean, how many people, I mean, I remember specifically learning about the, the Holocaust and the atrocities of Nazi Germany in school. Like, I remember seeing the pictures and watching some videos and it was steeped in your mind, Nazism, bad, mm. right? It was like, it was, it was very clear, right? No one would have, but I didn't learn about a lot of the stuff in the, the Soviet Union and whatnot until my 20s, and mm. I, I actively searched it out. Yeah. And I was kind of confused, because I was like, oh, uh, how, how did this all go on? Like, there's all this stuff, all these tens, hundreds of millions of, of dead bodies, 
and this was just glossed over completely. Mm. And that's, that strikes me as quite pernicious or sinister, because I'm like, well, no wonder you've got all these university students running around waving um, hammer and sickle flags and thinking that, you know, <laughs> wanting to overthrow capitalism and whatnot. Well, this is one of the things that George Orwell actually wrote about, because when he published Animal Farm, when he published 1984, he, those books were being suppressed in the UK. Mm. And that's what one of the things he was rebelling against. He actually wrote a brilliant essay talking about self-censorship, about how basically at that time it was not politically correct mm. to criticize the Soviet Union because they were helping us helping Britain win the war, and then after they were the allies, we didn't want to poke the Russian bear with this, yeah. you know, all this shit. And that's why all that stuff essentially never got properly aired, mm. which is why that ideology isn't as tainted yeah, as yeah. Nazism. But, um, you know, talking about stuff that, that is difficult to talk about, um, the, the, one of the kind of main themes, I think, of, of public discussion, certainly in kind of in the Twitter sphere and bloggersphere and in politics now, is, is privilege, is oppression, is structural inequality, all mm. this kind of stuff. Where do you come down on that? Or what about, say, the concept of white privilege, for example? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's garbage, completely. I think it's utter garbage. I think someone could argue that they're, in any given country, you may have some form of majority privilege. Um, I mean, the whole thing of white privilege is it's, uh, it's essentially a, a little essay or paper by some woman that went, that's, that went way too far, right? You know, they had that whole, um, I can't remember the name of the woman who first wrote the paper on it and the invisible knapsack and whatever. It was you know, a relatively short paper just with this idea of white privilege, right? It was just kind of an idea. And for whatever reason, over the past few decades, people kind of refound this paper and ran with it. And so now you've got politicians and you've got actors and you've got just general people talking about this whole concept. Mm. So um, I don't think it exists. And there's people who will criticize me for that. I think, I think that's a garbage concept and I, th and I think it's a harmful concept. It's not just that, it's not just that I, um, I don't believe it exists. I actually think it's a terrible concept to try to ingrain in people. All these forms of privilege, right? If you're trying to tell males that they have male privilege, you're trying to tell white males they have white, white privilege and male privilege and heterosexual privilege and this, and you're, and you're trying to create this whole, um, <sighs> what is it? Jordan Peterson always refers to the, the postmodern neo-Marxist state. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of become a meme, a meme yeah. by now, right? Hmm. But, um, but it is true because it's, it's destructive. This is the, this is the problem, right? I don't, I don't support any, one, I think that, yeah, like one, I don't think it's true. I think that factually, like when I see, when someone talks about white privilege, I'm like, okay, tell me what exactly you mean by that. The things they say generally don't have anything to do, again, oftentimes they could just fall into majority privilege. Mm. So they might say stuff like, um, oh, if you buy a plaster, it's the color of, it, it's closer to a white person's skin color than than a black person's. And it's like, okay, but if you go to Africa, it's the opposite because that's the majority. Or when you're watching TV, you're more likely to see um, white faces on TV than, than black faces or Asian. I'm like, you're in England. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? Like, you're in England. If you go to Nigeria, everything's, like, every, everyone's black. Like, you look at an ad, you look on TV, you look at the films, everyone's black. It's like, because you're in Nigeria. If you go to China, same thing. Like, you know, it, it's, not, it's not rocket science. Um, I've heard people say stuff like, if you're in, a, in, in uh, the shampoo in hotel bathrooms, works better on white people's hair than it works on Afro hair. And again, I'm like, what country are you in? Why, why would you expect they're gonna have some special niche black Afro shampoo in, I don't know, Cambridge, in a hotel? 
and 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 then I'm and then similarly, I'm kind of like, look, if these are the things people have to complain about, like stuff must be pretty pretty freaking flip. Sorry, mm -hmm. stuff must be pretty freaking good. Yeah. If this is what you are complaining about, right? If these are your examples and this is the best you're coming at me with, then I'm like, Psh, like throw that thing out the window. And then secondly, I just think that it's um, I think it's quite a racist idea. To be honest with you, I think it's a very racist idea to start claiming based on people's skin color, based on people's sex, based on people's sexuality, assuming they have some kind of advantage or disadvantage that they've just inherited and that no matter what they do, you know, they need to kind of acknowledge it and atone for it and check their privilege and you can now kind of beat them with the stick, right? Every time you say something I don't like, I can say, well, you're uh, using your white male privilege to, to victimize me. Well, let me, me use some of my <laughs> white male privilege to, to try and push back on some, okay, just for the for sake it. of being devil's advocate. No, let's do it, yeah. let's do it. Because I hear a lot of what you're saying, yeah. but a lot of people might say, well, if you and I were walking down the street mm -hmm. in this country, mm -hmm. I am not from here, you actually were born here, unlike mm -hmm. me, right? But the police would treat us differently because I'm white and you're black. According to what? Uh, well, uh, Black people are more likely to be prosecuted. Black people are more likely to uh, get a longer sentence, a harsher sentence for the same crime. People say um, you're more likely to be arrested, etc. Right? For what? Arrested for what? If we if arrested for what? I mean, uh, you, you're more likely to be let's let's say you're more likely to be stopped and searched. Right? We know that. Okay. What? Like in London or something? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. That's. Um, there's a couple reasons for that, okay. So the, the whole stop and search thing—that's a—that's a—that's a complicated—that's a complicated issue. I mean, there are see, there, there, every, everything has like a flip side. So the flip side of this one is obviously in certain areas, in certain cities, in certain countries, the breakdown of demographics who commit certain crimes is different. Okay. So if you are looking, if you, if the police are trying to sort out knife crime in London, take the obvious example, right? Mm. Violent crime in London, violent crime in Chicago in the USA, take some obvious examples. Vast majority of perpetrators are young black men. Vast majority of victims are young black men. So does that mean that the police, this is, this is where the nuance comes in and people try to avoid the nuance, right? Does that mean that the police should then go out and just target all young black men because they know that that's the demographic that commits those crimes at a higher rate? No, because the vast majority of young black men do not commit any crime. So it's a, it's a, it's a complex, this one's a complex one, right? People always try to make it more very simple because they'll say black people get arrested at higher rates or are more likely to be stopped by police. And then it's like, okay, yeah, but that demographic is also committing more crime. So how do we, and people, oftentimes people won't want to acknowledge that fact because it's not convenient to their argument, but it's like, okay, you need to put both these things on the table and recognize what the facts are, and then you can actually have a proper discussion of, okay, well, what's the, given these are the stats, we might not like the stats, but given these are the stats, how can we now address this issue? Trying to say that that in itself is indicative of white privilege, I'm just kind of like, no, because you, you could say that with, you could say that with any group, right? Men in general commit far more crime, and especially violent crime, than women do. 
So it's because women are better. <laughs> they Man, said, you've already gone too far <laughs> down the path. There's no. I'm just trying back. to recuperate. Can't, I'm just trying to make a joke about redeem side. yourself. Yeah, so, um, yeah. So if so, the rate of arrest between men and women right. significantly more men get arrested than women do. Yeah. Does that mean that females have female privilege? No, you wouldn't say that. That would be silly for someone to make that assumption hmm. and, and make that conclusion. There's so, just differences between men and women. Exactly. So what? So it wouldn't make sense to make that conclusion the other way around. You can't just say, okay, there's a disparity. This is the problem with a lot of the discourses. People just see any disparity, and then they try to just say that it's this one thing. Yeah. But there are lots of disparities that exist that don't have anything to do with racism, sexism, et cetera. Could they? Could, could those be factors? Absolutely, mm. right? There's probably, there's, there's certainly, not probably, there's certainly some degree of um, racism in society and also in police. I think that's that's been shown, that's been seen. To what degree it is would be good to know, but it's hard to even find out because people are so dug into their positions that they just want to use the facts and the statistics and whatever that are convenient to them. Well, well let's take what you said yeah. as the truth, which okay. is that there is some of that happening, mm -hmm. right? For example, uh, for one of our former guests uh, was talking about the fact that uh, if, if you do an experiment where you get a guy with no money trying to get on a bus and saying to the bus driver, look, just let me on, I need to go like three stops, would you? Like, a, a bus driver is less likely to, to let them on the bus without paying mm -hmm. if they're white, uh, if they're black, they're less likely to do mm -hmm. that, right? So if that exists, which I think you're acknowledging, isn't that what people are talking about when they say white privilege? I'd actually need to look at that experiment specifically mm -hmm. and see what the factors were. Were these people dressed exactly the same? Mm -hmm. Were they e equal attractiveness? Were they the same height? There's so many factors. Mm. Was it the same bus driver? Did you try it with a whole bunch of different bus drivers? And that's a pretty, I'd imagine to do that as a scientifically congruent argument, it would be quite hard to even do the experiment, period. So I'd need to know a whole bunch of factors, right? If the white guy was there dressed in a suit and looked smart, and then the black guy's in a tracksuit, you've already blown up your own experiment because, you know, it's I, used a class to, thing. I used to live in London. Mm -hmm. And I can say that the way people looked at me and treated me, depending on whether I was going to work in my suit and my tie, or I was coming back from the gym in my hoodie and my tracksuit, I would be treated differently. And people would look at me very differently. I'd go into shops and people would respond differently. Yeah. So that's not based, that, that's obviously not based on race because it's literally the same person. It's just how, you know, people have all sorts of perceptions about people. We form opinions for better or for worse quite quickly on people, you know, prejudice does exist. We all, we all prejudge people all the time. Mm -hmm. As soon as you see someone in the street, you, you form a really quick opinion of, it's not, not even an opinion, but like a, a pre-opinion almost of what's, what's their status, how, how, how smart might this person be, how attractive is this person, mm -hmm. how dangerous could this person mm -hmm. be, is, is this person gonna ask me for something? Um, or, you know, like you, you do, the, it's, it's, it's immediate. It's immediate, and so these things happen, and I'm sure, again, there, there's a sex component to that, there's a race component to that, even as a guy, okay? If you are walking down the street at night and there's a woman approaching you versus a man approaching you, you'll have a, higher, you'll have a heightened level of threat for the man. Not, not, because, yeah. not because you're a sexist towards, towards fellow men, mm. but because you know it doesn't even mean that person's a threat, but you, you're just aware, especially if it's a group. What if it's a group of guys and what if they're big? What if they're, what if they're rowdy, right? What if they're, you know, you'll, you'll be like, you'll just be on your, on your guard, especially mm. if you're a woman, right? A woman would be more so on her guard. Whereas if it's a group of three girls, she's probably less likely to, to think that thing. So 
Yeah, it's um, it's a it's a complex. It, all this stuff is really really complicated, but um, it's 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 stuff that is good for people to discuss openly and honestly. This is the this is the problem with over political correctness mm. when it be when these subjects become taboo or people don't want to talk about them openly. Because if you do genuinely want to find solutions, if that's what people want, that's what they say they want. If it is what people actually want, you have to be able to discuss these things with nuance, push the emotion to the side and look at it from a lot of different angles because most things in the world, I mean, human beings are the most complicated thing that exists, you know? And it doesn't also, I, I take it back to identity again. I mean, that's a problem with these types of discussions mm. is when you make a criticism or you put forward an argument, people feel that you're criticizing their identity, who they are, yeah. and then they respond emotionally. Yeah. And at that point, any semblance of sharing of ideas or listening goes out the window. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, I'm not a very emotional person. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm really not. I'm. Uh, I did a. I did a personality test. I'm in the bottom two percent of uh, neuroticism. So I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Nin Ninety-eight percent of people, by default, by by definition, are far more emotional than me and susceptible to this stuff. But with me, I'm just very. I'm very frank, very authentic, and I care about. I care about the facts because I do actually genuinely care also about finding a potential solution. Okay, I don't like the fact that you've got violent crime that's being, you know, again, put it simply, you've got a lot of young black guys, especially, um, who are dying at the hands of other young black guys, whether it's from guns, whether it's from knives, whether it's beating people up, whatever the tool used. And it annoys me when people are pretending to have this discussion, but they're just screaming at each other and trying to accuse the other people of who, who can, you get these segments on TV, it's like, who can be the first to accuse the other of racism? Mm. Like, that's mm. literally the conversation. And I'm like, that's not constructive. That's not constructive. If you genuinely want to help these people, if you genuinely want, don't want to have grieving mothers and fathers who have lost their sons, if you really want to get to the core of the issue, you have to be able to put it on the table and discuss it openly. You want to get a range of people, range of opinions, discuss it from different angles so you don't have too many blind spots. But too many people target the person who's making People, too many people judge the argument based on the person who is making it yeah. mm. rather than what the argument is. So if, um, if a white guy, if Piers Morgan says something about knife crime happening amongst black youth in London, right? People will try to demonize Piers Morgan rather than addressing what he actually said, whether you agree with it or you have some counterpoints, whether you, what people want to just go on and rage on him. And I'm like, well, you're part of the problem then. Because if you genuinely care about this demographic of people, you generally, people in general, you, you don't want, nobody wants to live in a society where people are getting shanked. So if you genuinely care about that, you have to be willing to accept the facts and then to try to find a solution. And everybody does want a solution. I, I'm not aware of anyone who, who wants this stuff to, to be going on. I'm not aware of anyone who wants the rate of theft, murder, rape to, to rise. You see what I mean? No, nobody wants these things. So when people try to claim that that's what someone wants and you're just, it undermines the entire thing and you just kind of end up in this useless spin cycle where you're kind of just going around and everyone's shouting at each other around a table and it's like, okay, well, that's not, nothing's going to happen there. And I think part of it as well is because I do think the root cause of some of these issues is a lot deeper. It's, it's, it's deep. It's deep and it's not easy to solve, right? To take a very obvious one, I would say, rising rates of single motherhood, rising rates of fatherless homes. Mm -hmm. 
big problem. Yeah, we had Dr. Tony Sewell on the show to talk about that. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Do you think the reason that this whole idea, and I agree with loads of, of what you said there, do you think the reason that this idea of white privilege has become so viral uh, is that number one, it's an easy uh, explanation of a complex problem, mm -hmm. and number two is because there's a lot of people. Who maybe we're so wealthy now and so comfortable that we feel guilty about it, and there's yeah. like this. Is, it's white guilt, basically. Yeah, yeah. There's certainly a, a, there's a self-flagellation mm. element of it, surely, because you know I've I've had white people get annoyed with me that I don't think white privilege exists, and they're like you know trying to score woke points with me by trying to. I think a lot of a lot of people assume. I believe in a lot of stuff that I don't, right? Which in its own way is a little bit racist, right? <laughs> Just a <laughs> right? little bit. Yeah. Right, people assume because I'm a black guy, I'm gonna believe that um, I'm a victim or that I'm oppressed and whatever. And I'm like, Psh, no, I'm like, the, uh, <laughs> I'm like the least on board with that train out of mm. you know, most people. So people will you know, kind of try to say, thing, frame things in a certain way and then I will challenge them on it they're not expecting it, so they're suddenly like, ooh, uh, uh, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, th I think a lot of it is, you know, I guess what you could call virtue signaling. So having someone in a position or whatever, you see it a lot with like these, ho these Hollywood actors and actresses, it's so cringeworthy. And they'll be there like, you know, accepting their reward and collecting their million dollars and self-flagellating themselves mm -hmm. about how we need to uh, be more diverse and you know, fight white male patriarchy and whatever, and then they'll go home and just do their normal stuff. And it's, I think it's kind of their way of making penance and, uh, you know, trying to signal to the world, look, I care, I care about all this stuff, but it's like... Reality, whatever. I don't. Yeah, it's whatever. Um, when, it's very interesting how when I talk, uh, I've, I've got a friend of mine who is who's a black comedian, and, I, I, and whenever I talk to him about things, because his point of view isn't strictly liberal, mm -hmm. it's not left-wing. Mm. And the moment we have a frank and honest conversation about politics, the first thing he does is turn over, look over his shoulder, <laughs> and then talk to me. Oh, gosh. Why is that? Why is it deemed that you are not being authentically black if you are not left-wing? Why is it that you can't be black and libertarian in the UK and somehow you seen as betraying your race? because that's how they keep people in check and keep their power. You cannot have, you cannot have this intersectional left-wing politics without having oppressors and victims. So you have to pit white people against people of color. I hate that term, by the way. You have to pit men against women. You have to have one, you have to pitch rich against poor, the 1% versus the 99%, let's tax the 1%, let's tax the 1%, let's, half the people saying that are in the 1%, right? Um, so the whole, their whole, like take the Democratic Party in the, in the USA. If you take away these narratives, then their whole, everything they've been running on for decades is, is lost, mm. right? They've been running on this is, why, this is why I vehemently dislike the Democratic Party. <laughs> right? I don't, don't even want to get like, I'm not really even a partisan, but I really dislike their methods because you know, they just run on telling, forcing black people in America to buy all these narratives. Okay, so you need us, you must vote for us. Look at those Republicans, they hate you. They want to keep you down. We're going to look after you. We have white privilege. You, you, you've been, you've, you're oppressed, whatever. You know, they'll do the same with women. They'll do the same with gay people. Any group that they consider 
an oppressed minority to what degree of truth that is or isn't, their entire base, their entire platform, their policies and everything are based on people en masse mm. accepting these ideas. Mm. So someone like myself, <laughs> someone like Kanye West, someone like Thomas Sowell, someone like Clarence Thomas, like those are the people who are gonna get the most racial, like everyone who, like I've experienced very little racism in my life. Mm. The racist attacks and just the attacks in general I've received online, almost all from liberals. Like I don't get attacked by right wingers. It's always liberal. It's like, ooh, this guy is, he's thinking for himself. Ooh, Kanye, the, the whole thing that happened with Kanye West last year to me was like mind blowing. <laughs> it was mind blowing. I was like, wow, like there, there were some really nasty racist attacks on him for simply not going along with the herd. And I mean, in the States, something like 90% of black people vote Democrat, which it doesn't make it, which is freaking weird to begin with. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just groupthink. It's groupthink. It's like people have been taught this way. Like I, to me, that's like the pernicious actual racism. It's like you've taken this entire group and as soon as one of them strays, you, want you, to, you need to lasso them and get them back on the plantation. And <laughs> no, seriously, it's terrible. It's terrible. Like to me, in the modern day, in the modern day, I find a lot more, man, this is gonna sound harsh, but I find a lot more racism on the left wing than on the right wing. And I don't even like to use those terms yeah. because I, I think that, again, stuff is a lot more nuanced than that and people are individuals. But I think that there's like a, it's like racism with a cuddle. It's, you know, it's, it's like a different type. It's, it's not like the blatant, like, you know, racial superiority thing. But it's, in a way, it's a, it's a type of it because it's like, we're so superior that like you need your you need our help. Like the Republicans just want to treat everybody equally, but that's not good enough. No, no, you you need special you need special treatment. It's like what did um it's that soft bigotry of low expectations. Yeah, mm. and it is because with me I'm just like look like I, I oppose things like um racial based sex based um, affirmative action. Mm. I oppose it. I oppose it across the board, um, which also surprises a lot of people because I'm like no, I don't give me like I went to Oxford University. I would hate I would hate. It, that I went to Oxford because I was black, right? There was a white guy who was smarter than me, who, who was much better, but they only took me because they needed to hit some number. Like, that's terrible. Mm. Like, you don't, you don't want to be doing that. You don't want to be doing that in universities. You don't want to be doing that in companies. You know, you don't want to give someone a role just because they're a woman and you, you just need more women. It's like, no, give it, you know, I'm, I'm a believer in meritocracy. Give it, to the, give it to the right person. If you want to do something that encourages certain groups to apply for more positions or whatever, I'm completely fine with that. Mm. But if you're gonna start messing with test scores or having, I mean, they're doing this in the States. Mm. They've got different test scores that you need to get into for certain universities, depending on what race you are. Hey man, that's it fair might. enough. They're trying to compensate. <laughs> they're trying to compensate for Asian privilege. Yeah. That's what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Man, yeah. I've taught in a grammar yeah. school and so those kids, majority, they were 80% Asian. And yeah. They're just destroying that's everybody smart, else. Man. <laughs> <laughs> they're smashing it. They're smashing yeah. it. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you start discriminating against yeah. them. That's, yeah. that's, that's insane to me. But that, that feeds so much into the point that you made earlier, which is what you're allowed to say depends on your skin color. Mm. Like if we switch seats, and, or maybe better, oh, if boy. you and Francis switch yeah. seats, yeah. right? <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Right, with his face and his voice. Yeah. Right. And you, privilege privileges a myth. Yeah. Oh, Break it down. Oh, yeah, he's like, he's going, I oppose, uh, you know, quotas. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't think women should get any positions at all, mate. <laughs> that everybody, do, do you I've see got, what I'm saying? I've got black privilege, right? Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. 
So in a way we are, well, you joke, but in a way we are in a position where certain people are allowed to say certain things that mm -hmm. other people are not. That's intentional. And people will assume that you have certain positions because yeah. you're black. And that is racist. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, like I said, I'm, I'm good at people using people's own logic and games against them. Yeah. So if that's how they want to roll, then, um, you know, <laughs> I will use my black privilege in that case. And I will, look, I'm always going to be authentic. That's my thing. That's really my... One of my north stars in life, just mm -hmm. being, keeping it real, really real, mm -hmm. telling the truth, being authentic. I try not to ever lie. I try not to disguise or mask what I think for the sake of being PC or for somebody who I don't know liking me. I don't care. You know, the people who, the people who love me, love me. <laughs> um, so I'm not, I'm not really worried about those other things. If someone wants to challenge any of my positions or maybe thinks I have a blind spot or anything like that, cool. Like I'd love to talk to someone who really believes in all these narratives, right? And explain to me their position. I'd love to have that conversation, but with a lot of those people, they're the type who just want to stick their fingers in their ear and scream and call you names and stuff like that. You know, if someone like that is sensible, then I'm like, cool. You know, if someone talks about, take, take some of these issues, institutional racism, institutional sexism, systemic, you know, these things people talk about. I'm like, okay, if you can, I'd like to dig into them, right? If someone just says, oh, institutional racism, I'm like, that's not an argument. Okay, if, you, if there's something specific, because I'm, I'm not saying that there's no, there might be some policy or some thing or some institution or some school or justice systems, there might be something that does genuinely have that issue, but we need to laser in on it mm. to do anything about it. There's no point just going on the street and holding up a sign saying, I oppose institutional racism and marching around and shouting. It's like, what does that even mean? Do you even, did the person holding that sign even know, know what it means? And it's like, you'll drill down and you find they don't, right? But it's like, if you can find a particular policy, a particular rule, a particular institution, whatever, that is exhibiting racist behavior, I'm like, cool, like, let's zero in on that. And people on every side of the spectrum will want to solve that. Because this idea that um, conservatives or a whole bunch of people want people to be oppressed or want people to be held down, they want... They want to keep women out of this. They want to keep minorities. It's nonsense. It's nonsense. We're not living in 1950, thank God. Yeah. Right? You know, there was a time when that was the case. And there was a much better case for a lot of these ideas because it was real. Right? If, if we were in 1950 and someone said, is white privilege real? I'd be like, yeah, well, look, we can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't get this job. I can't do that because of my skin color. Yeah. And these concepts may exist in certain countries. No, well, not may. They do exist in certain countries still. I grew up in Saudi Arabia. If someone was like, "Is there white? Is there male privilege? Is there male, <laughs> is there male, is there male privilege I mean, in Saudi Arabia?" Like, I'm maybe, like, a I'm like yeah. I mean, look at the law. Women can't drive, so of course there is. Well, yeah. they can advantages. now, can't they? Yeah, I think they, they, I think it's yeah. still like they, they, they decided to go down certain restrictions. Experiment <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not doing it, my it, pro it, women credentials. It, it probably any good. actually would be quite dangerous, um, considering you're just starting now. Yeah. Can yeah. I just say to the producer, can we just get Constantine's <laughs> most sexist put them together and just put it out there? Well, you know, I always say people are, people are make assumptions about me that like they think that because I'm Russian. I don't respect women. Yeah. yeah. And that's obviously not the real reason. Right? Yeah. Um, irony, guys. Welcome to comedy. Um, no, man, listen, it's been a great, absolutely great interview talking about blind spots. So the last question we always ask is, mm. what is our blind spot as a society? What do you think is the one thing that no one's talking about that we ought to be talking about? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, it's going to be really heavy. What, heavier than what I just done? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Go. Yeah, yeah. 
Abortion. Okay. Yeah, I think that needs more serious discussion. I think it's the biggest blight on society, and I think a real serious discussion and elevation of consciousness is needed around it. So, to make that more specific for us, mm. uh, I, I'm guessing given that you're religious, you're probably against abortion. Yeah, not from a religious basis, but okay. I am against it, yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, I mean, God, those are human lives, and thousands are being taken every day, and it's very much out of sight, out of mind, and it's certainly not a dinner table party conversation topic <laughs> that I, anyone wants to get into. But um, the way I look at it is very similar to how I imagine the people who wanted to abolish slavery would have felt like hundreds of years ago when you've you've got this thing that everybody accepts and it's been going on for thousands of years and people aren't questioning it and it's deemed as a you know slavery was always deemed from the perspective of the slaveholders rights right mm. we have a right to do this we have a right to do this um, abortion generally in the Western world is very much framed as from pro-choice people of course as a, as a women's rights issue mm. right and very little very few people ever think about the baby fetus if you want to mm. if you want to you know yeah. use the use the euphemism and it's all it's all it's completely framed in that regard not from pro-life people pro-life people are like um what about the baby that's being killed right but um i think that they're i think that that whole conversation i don't know if society's yet mature enough to have that conversation mm. but it's a conversation that i do think is is needed like it's something that troubles me it's something that troubles me every day mm. genuinely it troubles me it troubles me a lot not because it directly impacts me, but just knowing the rates of it, you know, and looking at the numbers. I mean, in some parts of the U.S., I mean, black babies in particular have a 50-50 chance of being aborted. Okay, so over 50 million potential Americans have been killed since uh, in the past like 40 years or something like that. I don't know the exact figures in the U.K., but um, considering how far we've come in a society in terms of just like consciousness and treating people decently and humanely and stuff like that, that one does trouble me to know that the most vulnerable members of the human species are not even considered in those things. And I know it's, it's a very polarizing topic. It's something people get very heated on, understandably, on both sides. Um, but um, yeah, in terms of a societal blind spot or something people just don't want don't to touch, don't want to talk about, I do think that it's, uh, I, to me personally, it's, uh, it's something serious. It's See, something I serious. think the thing with that is that I, it's such a difficult issue because I don't think it's about maturity. I, I'm not sure that issue is ever going to get resolved. Mm. We're never going to find like mm. a solution yeah. because it's kind of halfway and there's always going to have to be a compromise. And when you're talking about human lives, yeah. compromises don't really make That's sense. That's the problem. Yeah. This is the problem. That's the thing. Yeah. So I guess I feel like the place we're at now is... It, it's in this country mm. is kind of as as good a compromise as you're probably going to get. Mm. Uh, then again, you know they're human lives, yeah. and mm. these are these are people, and so we're talking. Yeah. Not everybody even accepts that. Mm. A lot of people don't even. Yeah, accept but that that's that's so. only because they're bullshitting themselves because uh, yeah. they don't want to have the real. Exactly. They don't want to exactly. go. We're killing people, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but maybe we we should be allowed to sometimes, you know, like yeah. that's yeah. really the compromise we're at. Yeah. Because it's kind of halfway. It is a woman's rights issue. It is a, a woman's rights issue on the one hand. On the other hand, it is killing people. Mm. And you have to be able to hold both of those in your head yeah. and be okay with that. And that's very difficult to do. Yeah, and, and, and most people don't even accept what you just said. Yeah. Right, most people who are pro-choice would either try to say that that's not a human life or they just... Oh, but that's, the, pain. that's nonsense, uh, man. Yeah, well, well it ha 
there's millions of people who hold that position. You know, there's, there's, I, I, pe there's people. I think they're just trying to defend their argument. Yeah, no, I, I think so too. I think so too, because at least that's an honest position. If someone, again, you have to at least put the facts on the table. Yeah. You know, put the facts on the table. Again, you know, I, my argument is not from a religious standpoint mm. at all. It's not religious at all. It's just saying, you know, do you believe that it's wrong to kill innocent human beings? Yeah. 99% of people will say yes. Yeah. Okay. Most people will accept that stabbing a newborn baby is wrong and you should go to prison for it. Okay. Yeah. But a lot of people think that until that baby comes out, you can chop it up. Yeah. Right? So you can stab it. As long as it's still in the womb, you can stab it. And I'm like, how does that make sense? Yeah. But given, given you've just said, like, you know, it doesn't the problem. It's it's an doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. But I'm sure know? everybody on the internet is very grateful three men have been talking about it. <laughs> Dude, it doesn't matter, man. It, no, no. The, the, see, this is the problem. But, no, that's, that's the half the problem, right? This whole, this whole notion that men shouldn't have. Yeah. I'm like, I'm yeah, like right. how were babies made? Right? Yeah. What about yeah. the father? Every, every, each of these babies has a father. Yeah. Right? So, and also the father's going to be on the hook for. The yeah, father's good, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, people no, say, man. "Oh no, the men made his decision when he yeah. when he ejaculated." Okay, but didn't? How come the women's decision wasn't also made then? Right? You've still got they've got an yeah. extra. Well, it, that's it's, because it's they have to carry the of baby course, and all the rest. Of course, of course, it's complicated. Yeah. It's very complicated. But yeah, I think it's a conversation that should be. I know why it's not more out in the open, mm. but it's something that I think that um, again, it's very out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's something that people should. Uh, so you would want to you would want to eliminate it completely. You would want no abortions to happen. Ever. I would love no abortions to happen ever. Yeah. Um, is that a realistic position that we're going to reach tomorrow? No, it's not. Yeah. Um, but just like I don't want children to be, I don't want infanticide ever to happen. I don't want murder ever to yeah. happen. I don't want rape ever to happen. Mm. Um, but those things are all illegal. So would you want to make it completely illegal? That's a good question. I, well, before before even getting there, there's no point in even having that discussion until the discussion, the wider discussion is being had because it affects a lot of things, you yeah. know? It, it, it comes down to relationships, it comes down to people's sexual behavior, it comes down to a whole bunch of things. And this goes for both men and women, right? A lot of people think this is trying to like pin everything on women or whatever and it's like, no, no, I'm talking just as much to guys, you know, if you're gonna run around there and be sleeping, <laughs> be sleeping with all these women and, you know, kind of like jetting off and whatever, it's like, Again, that's why I was saying I don't know if society's ready mm. to kind of have that yeah. bigger conversation of like, okay, what are the what's what's right and what's wrong? Mm. Yeah, you know, we've we've got it in a lot of the other things. What I find weird is you know, you've got this rise in veganism, animal rights ideas, all these kind of things, and with me, again, sometimes I'm like, okay, so you're saying it's deeply wrong to kill a chicken or a fish to eat but a human being, as long as it's not born yet, it's okay to, it's ethically fine to... Well, the Venn diagram for vegans yeah. and pro-abortion people is going to be pretty... Yeah, that, yeah that's, this, this is the thing. That, mm. That's why it confuses me. Because yeah. it's like consciousness is rising in all these other areas. You see what I mean? Yeah. Mm. And that's good. Yeah. That's cool. So I'm kind of like, well, how about that one? And I think a lot of it is people have not, one, it, it's something people lie about a lot because the people who are pro-choice don't like to put the facts out there because mm. the, the facts aren't actually, very, they're not very... <laughs> yeah. right? They're uncomfortable, if, man. Yeah, the facts yeah. are uncomfortable and they will shift people's in the other direction. This is what happened with me. I used to be kind of like, it just wasn't something I thought about. Yeah. It wasn't something I thought about. And then someone, you know, presented an argument to me and we were just, you know, we were talking about it properly. And I was like, 
yeah, it's really wrong, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, you know, like I, I, I had to give up my position because I was like, yeah, you're, you're right. You know, I was like, yeah, you're right. It just wasn't something I'd really thought about before. I just kind of had like a default position, like, eh, whatever. But then like I really thought about it. Like I sat and I thought about it. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's a human life. Like that makes sense. You know, I've, I've got nine nieces and nephews. Mm. Mm. I know where they came from, you know what I mean? I was born like, if I rewinded my own life, it's like, okay, where would it have started? Didn't just magically start when I came out and took my first breath. It's like, I was obviously still me yeah. when I was in my mother's stomach, right? So I was like, yeah. Okay, you win, you know? <laughs> and, and from then on, literally, I turned pro-life in like 20 seconds. Mm. And um, yeah, so I think it's a, it's a conversation that needs to, be, needs to be had. Some people will hate me for that. I've had hundreds of people unfollow me on Twitter after finding out I'm pro-life, but I'm gonna speak my truth. And if people don't like it, or they wanna shy away from opinions that may differ from theirs, then that's on them. I'm happy to talk to anybody, you know what I mean? And on that upbeat note. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sorry about got, that. Yeah, so, so, sorry to pull it down. It's all about the positivity <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except when it comes to women and women's <laughs> rights. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah, episode yeah, has been pretty bad for yeah, us. Yeah. They're it's all jokes, ladies. Our three female followers, we love you. <laughs> we, we respect you. Mate, that's just making it exactly. even worse. Stop <laughs> trying to be charming. Yeah. Right, Was okay. that charming? Yeah, no, 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 no. Hence, trying to be charming. Just creepy. Good, yeah. good old Russian creepiness. Yeah. Yeah. All right, yes, well, I respect women. No, don't do that. <laughs> well, dude. listen, guys, whatever gender you are, if you've enjoyed us uh, talking to Zuby, he's a brilliant musician, very interesting guys you've seen. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, on Instagram, on all the social media, yeah. um, YouTube channel as well. The Zuby podcast. Tell us about that quickly before yeah, we Yeah, sure go. thing. Um, so I, I do a podcast twice a week called Real Talk with Zuby. That um, conversations with interesting guests, very open dialogue, very much pro free speech. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at Zuby Music, same Facebook and Instagram at Zuby Music, Z-U-B-Y Music. My website is ZubyMusic.com and my new album, Perseverance, is out right now. And it's great so stuff. Do. Yeah, yep. check it out. And as always, follow us on all the social media at TriggerPod. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Zuby has one as I'll subscribe to his. But on our YouTube channel, make sure you click that bell button next to the subscribe button to make sure you get all the videos. Leave us an iTunes review if you're a listener. This podcast, if you don't know, is also available in audio form only on iTunes and all other podcast platforms. And we will see you again in a week from now with another brilliant episode. Absolutely. And if you please check to see if you've been unsubscribed. If you have, resubscribe, uh, tell us, and continue to spread the hate. All right, see you next week, guys. Before you go, consider joining our exclusive member feed. As a member, you'll get ad-free and extended interviews. Click the membership link in the podcast description or find the exclusive episodes link on your podcast listening app to join us.